0: Hello friends and welcome to the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host Joe Webb and this is a podcast for all of us who are looking for faith beyond the fences. Thank you so much for listening, for joining us here. This is episode 13 of the podcast and our topic for this episode is how we might experience the divine. So I'm as I'm recording this episode, we're now um, just Over a month into our kind of collective widespread quarantine during the COVID-19 outbreak, so it's um, it's the middle of April, and, and for me personally, this is a time when I am usually kind of shaking off the cabin fever from wintertime and starting to spend a lot of time in the outdoors, and particularly um, in the mountains of West Virginia. As I've mentioned before here, I'm, I'm from West Virginia. I'm a native of West Virginia, and I don't know how much You might know about West Virginia if you don't live here, but you're probably aware that we have a lot of mountains, right? In fact, we're pretty much smack in the center of the Appalachian mountain chain that stretches from... Eastern Canada in the north, all the way down into Georgia at the southernmost points. The Appalachians actually are the oldest mountains in the world, and so that also means that our mountains hold a lot of significance as far as both natural history and cultural history as well. And so, even though the part of West Virginia where I live, which is on the western side of the state next to the Ohio River, we, we don't have mountains here, really. We're we're more in the foothills area, but our mountains are not far away from me, so within about a three-hour drive to the east, I can be in the heart of some really beautiful, high-elevation country. Now, the, the Monongahela National Forest, or as we call it here, the Mon, uh, which is named for one of the main rivers that flows northward out of West Virginia to Pittsburgh, where it meets the Allegheny River to form the Ohio, um, the Mon, the Monongahela Forest, actually encompasses just shy of a million acres of West Virginia mountains, which means that there are all kinds of recreational opportunities, from hiking and camping and backpacking to mountain biking and trout fishing and rock climbing and kayaking you know just to kind of scratch the surface so like like if you're into to hunting or bird watching or wildflower identification or foraging for wild edibles mushrooms ginseng ramps right there's a place in the mon where you can do it and so all of that is to say that within a few hours drive of where I live there is virtually and literally, a um a mountain playground at hand. And in many ways, I I I really grew up in those mountains, even though my family lived in the Ohio River Valley. We spent a lot of time in the campgrounds and cabins and state parks and resorts and towns and villages that are scattered throughout the mountains of West Virginia. My um my parents were both school teachers when I was growing up, which meant that as a family, you know, we shared these long summer breaks. My my dad was a high school biology teacher, and he did a lot of field work in the Mon when he was in grad school. And so a lot of our vacations were actually kind of research trips for him. And one of his college roommates was the superintendent of one of the state parks that was sort of in the middle of the Mon. And so we would spend, you know, several weeks every summer camped out in that park along the banks of this beautiful little mountain stream um, in the middle of the forest. And so that was like, that was where my dad taught me how to trout fish. And it was where, you know, actually many years later, um, as an adult, I taught him how to fly fish. And so I have all of these, you know, like memories tied up with the mountains of West Virginia. And, And it's like, it's this time of year, right, in early spring when for most of my entire life, uh, this is the time when I've started kind of venturing to the mountains every year for weekend campouts or or even just day trips for hiking or fly fishing. And and that's always been for me kind of um kind of a therapy. I, I often refer to it as just, you know, I need some mountain therapy and And I'm really, really, really missing it this year. Um, Even though, like, technically, you know, those places are still open and accessible and you can still kind of go there. It just, like, with everything going on, it just doesn't feel like a really good idea right now. But I think the reason that I'm really missing it and the reason that I see it as, as a very real kind of therapy is that there's something about those mountains that just... It just, like, makes my soul feel at home. It's hard to explain, um, but it's like there's this part of me that just feels so, like, settled and so connected with everything. This part of me that is just so really, really deeply happy when I'm in the West Virginia mountains. And and that's a that's a feeling I don't get anywhere else. I've been to some really beautiful places in the world. I've been to Montana and Yellowstone and Colorado, and those places are breathtakingly beautiful, and I love visiting those places. But nothing feels like just like home the way that the mountains of West Virginia do for me. And and what I've come to understand about that at what is really mostly a subconscious level, but it, it kind of manages to somehow seep into my conscious thoughts from time to time, is that it's a place where, for whatever reason, I, I'm i able to experience an almost tangible closeness to the divine, right? For, for me, it's one of those places that, like the ancient Celts had these places that they called thin places, right? And, and it's where they believe that, that, that heaven and earth meet, where, where heaven and earth almost touch, where the realms of reality as we know it and experience it and the reality beyond reality come so close together that you can almost reach through one and into the other. In fact, I had this really weird sensation um last fall, I was visiting the Holy Land in Israel with um a large group of my colleagues and um and we were visiting you know all of these holy shrines and sites and these places where Jesus and his first followers would have actually been, and where so many stories from the Bible had happened and and lots and lots of the folks in my group were really just. Overwhelmed, right, with this kind of sense of um of sacredness about all of these places. But but for, for whatever reason, for the most part, I I just kind of wasn't really feeling it. And I remember I was standing in this one spot in the old city of Jerusalem where our guide said that it would have been a place where Jesus would have actually walked, where Jesus would have actually set foot that hadn't been covered up, you know, by centuries of, you know, destruction and rebuilding and and all of the commercializing that goes into some of those sites. And I remember I I stood there in that spot and, and I looked down at my feet and I was expecting to have some kind of sense of something, you know, some Some feeling of connectedness with Jesus in this spot, or whatever. And I remember one of the first thoughts that popped into my head was it was certainly very cool, right? But it did not top the sense of the divine I get when I'm on my favorite trout stream in Tucker County, West Virginia. Now, I don't say all of this to be, you know, like a tourism commercial for my home state, although I do hope you'll visit sometime if you've never been. Um, I'd love to show you around sometime. But but what actually got me thinking about this whole thing was, um, was something I wrote in my blog this week over on JoeWebWrites.com about Easter and resurrection and how if we're paying attention, we can find sacredness not so much in the things that we think of as you know like supernatural events but actually in some of the most ordinary things in the material world and it's and it's more than just like seeing pretty places or seeing pretty things too right cuz i've i've taken people who have never been to our mountains to some of our like scenic overlooks where you can get these broad vistas on a clear day. You can just see for miles and miles and miles. Or we'll go you know, deep into a forest that's full of lush green plants and towering trees and trickling brooks and colorful wildflowers. And, and, and folks will just be kind of stunned by the, the visual beauty of it all. And nine times out of ten, I guarantee you, they'll say something like, "How can you look at this and not believe in God?" Or, "How can you see this and and not believe that there's a God that created it?" And and I get it, right? I get it. That that kind of visual beauty can certainly spark our experience of, or 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 our sense that there is something beyond ourselves. But, but for me, it's, it's never been about just seeing it. It's never been just about the views and the vistas and and the visual splendor, right? The visual beauty of it. For me, it's always been about experiencing it. It's about being in it. It's, it's, it's about becoming a part of it. You know, and so so for me, it started like as, as a little boy, you know, splashing around in a stream barefoot, you know, catching crawdads and salamanders, you know, skipping rocks across ponds, climbing trees, sleeping in a tent, roasting hot dogs and marshmallows around a campfire, all of that stuff, you know, was where it began. And then... As I got older, it became, you know, long hikes on narrow trails in in towering forests. It became wading in trout streams with a fishing pole in my hands and a vest full of bait and lures and and eventually graduating to to fly rods and learning to observe what insects were flying around that, that trout might want to eat so that I could imitate them with various concoctions of fur and feather it it became you know putting a pack on my back and walking a few miles and spending nights in a hammock in a secluded spot you know a long ways away from roads or cell phone signals it was it was drinking water that was filtered from a spring that gushed out of a hillside it was inhaling the aroma of fall leaves on a southerly october breeze it was sipping whiskey by a campfire with a few friends as the smell of wood smoke just, you know, kind of permeates everything. And sometimes it became just, you know, sitting quietly somewhere for hours at a time, taking it all in with all of my senses and, and, and maybe even kind of, I don't know, praying perhaps in, in a language that I didn't really even know. I think I think we're sometimes too quick to try to intellectualize our experiences of of God or or the divine, whatever name you might want to give to that. Um, I think we're too quick to try to to explain it in some way that makes sense of it in the the very limited realm of language, and and maybe that's why we need. Poets and songs and and ways of pushing language beyond the bounds of mere words to to kind of encompass the realm of experience. Right? It's not because it's not just the place that connects me with the divine. It, it is the place, but it's it, it's it's more it's more what I do in that place. At Accidental Tomatoes, we're building a community of people looking for ways to find faith and spirituality beyond the walls and fences of the traditional church. While our blog and our podcast are always absolutely free, if you'd like to go deeper with more resources and conversations, we invite you to support us through the Patreon platform. For as little as $2 a month, you can receive bonus content, including a monthly newsletter, patrons-only commentary, and much, much more. Just go to patreon.com slash accidental to learn how. And now back to the podcast. And so, maybe the best way I can explain that is um, about six years ago, I was writing for an online publication called the Eco Theo Review. And it was actually, it still exists. You can still find it uh, on the internet. Um, but it was started by a cousin of mine and some of his classmates. At Princeton Theological Seminary, and and they started it as a way to sort of explore the intersections of ecology and theology. And so, uh, so my my cousin invited me to write a few pieces for it, and I wrote this one piece. I think it was for one of the first issues of it. I don't remember for sure, um, but it was called. It was it was I think in 2013, and and the article was called "Of Mountain Trout and the Soul of a Man," and and it talked about this whole idea of of experiencing the divine through experiences in nature, and um, and at the end of the article, I wrote I wrote this. I am now a part of the river. I forget where stream and sky end and I begin. I absorb it all, and it envelops me. We move together as one, me and the river and the mountain and the trout. There is nothing else but this moment. And I find it again, my soul. I know it is never left, that it never stays behind just to await my return. But it is in this here and now that it rises up and reminds me who I am. It is not the mere sight of this place and its beauty that proves its creator. That implies a standing apart from it, a detachment, a looking at it as something that is other, that is outside oneself and separate and different. No. It is this moment, when all the world and all of creation is inexorably focused in this breath, in this heartbeat when earth and sky and wind and water and sounds and smells coalesce in one astonishing impossible instant and everything is revealed all at once and i cast again and a trout rises and takes the fly and god smiles and god's laugh carries on the breeze down the mountain and through my soul And my essence comes alive anew. And I know. I know who I am. And I know what it means to be perfect. I think in this space here on the Accidental Tomatoes podcast where our focus is on what faith can look like outside the structures of the institutional or the traditional church. I feel like I feel like it's important to talk about this kind of I think what we might call experiential knowledge of divinity because I think for many of us it's been the the over-intellectualizing or the kind of maybe I don't know phony or contrived spiritualizing of our lived experiences that are at least part of why the traditional church just doesn't work for us anymore. The, um, the Franciscans teach that the, um, the first incarnation, what we might call God coming alive in the world, was at the creation, right? That God expressed God's self by creating the natural world and, and the universe, right? And then several millennia later, and about 2,000 years ago, God incarnated God's self again in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And in in both of those cases, what God is showing off, what God is bringing alive in the world, is love. And and not, not just love as a personal sentiment or as An emotional transaction, but love as a power and an energy that creates and connects and fuels everything that is. And I really love that idea because I think it so beautifully connects the particular, in this case, Jesus, with the universal, right? With the earth and the cosmos. And I think, I think that's what happens to us whenever we have those kinds of divine experiences in our lives in the midst of the ordinary, right? We just know somehow that we're part of something that's much more than ourselves. Now, maybe for you, it's something else entirely than nature or mountains, Maybe it's a seashore, or a library, or your kitchen, or a studio, or a coffee shop. Maybe instead of a fly rod or a pair of hiking boots, it's, it's a guitar, or a paintbrush, or a needle and thread. Maybe it's dirt and soil and seeds. Maybe it's friends and family sharing a meal or a game night together. Somewhere, there's a place where you do something and you experience the love that is the power behind everything. I don't know why that is, but I know that it's true. Maybe it's because whoever or whatever God is, is less supernatural than supremely natural, ultimately natural. Maybe we're somehow connecting to a deeper reality beyond what our senses can perceive through the very deep work of our senses working at their very highest levels. Maybe that's the difference between knowing about God in the way that we often do in our religious practices and actually knowing God. And so I hope that In some way, in in the midst of all of the craziness in our world, you can still find a way to experience the divine. And that experience of the divine can shape you into a person who connects more and more and more deeply with the love that creates and sustains everything. And so and so, that's all for today's podcast. That's it for episode 13 of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. I hope it's made you think about things maybe in a new and different way. I hope maybe it's made you consider what it's like to actually have an experience of the divine. And so... As always, thank you so much for listening. You can always find Accidental Tomatoes online at AccidentalTomatoes.com. And across the social media world, we are at Accidental Tomatoes. Please be sure to like and follow our Facebook page and our Twitter and Instagram accounts for up-to-the-minute updates of what's going on in our community. I have mentioned um, the last few episodes, there are some new things brewing in Accidental Tomato World, and our social media accounts are the best place to keep up with those things as we start to roll them out over the um, the next few months here. You can find me, Joe Webb, at my website, joewebrights.com, where I blog about a lot of the things that we talk about here on the podcast, um, as well as s- some other things um, that-, that I find of interest that-, that I like to talk about in the world. Um, and you can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I am at Joe joewebwrites. If you have an idea or a suggestion or for a topic that we might tackle here uh, on a future podcast, I would love to hear from you. And uh, so you can reach out through Facebook or Twitter. I, I love it when when you use those venues to reach me. Uh, or you can just send an email to accidentaltomatoes at gmail.com. And, and if you enjoy this podcast, I would I would love for you to to throw us up a rating and a review on iTunes or Google Play, or Podbean, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Those ratings and reviews help other people find us and connect with our community that's building and and to participate in this ongoing conversation. So keep on growing outside the fences and join us next time for the Accidental Tomatoes podcast.